You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. No, you see, you lied to me. You said you were hitting record, and you weren't. Tech Fan Podcast number 456. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello. Hello, David. What happened last week? Uh, the same thing that happened every week. Yeah. We tried to take over the world. Yeah. We were so busy taking over the world last week that we didn't get to do a show. You don't? Do you get the reference? Pinky in the brain? No, no. I, I never watched it. I'm I'm familiar with it, but I, I know I never, I never really watched it either. Watched. But I I know yeah. that reference. Yeah. So, uh, trying something uh, again, different, but it's still not working a hundred percent. Shocker! I know. Yeah. Uh. This is the problem with being tech people. Is too much fiddling. Hey. Talking of fiddling, I'm about switched from iPhone to Android for a couple of weeks. So, now are you going to uh, use the brand new beta of uh, whatever number they're on now, or goofy? Uh, no, no, I'm not because the phone I'm going to switch to will not will not have that update available for it. So, um, I gotta say, you uh, know, I I know Google had their big what was it called Google I/O, yeah, event what two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And I've got to be honest with you, they almost out-appled Apple as far as, you know, some of the features that they're bringing in all at the same time. I, I'm i kind of surprised it took this long for um, Alphabet, I guess you would say, Google, to, does it, and let's stop for one second. Does anybody actually call them Alphabet? Nobody uh, does. I think the guys in the financial stock stock things call them Alphabet, but everyone else calls them Google. It's it's going to be they just stop. It's yeah. Google. Yeah. Um, is anybody surprised that it took this long for them to try to maybe a little bit catch up to the aesthetics of the iPhone? Because I have to be honest with you, even on the latest and greatest Android, it's just a cluttered mess. It's just well, awful. This, well, this is one of the things I want to look into is actually find out what it... Because I last used Android in earnest about three, four years ago. And I want to find out what it's like now. Uh, I want to try um, a different smartwatch as well. So I'm going to do that too. Um, and I do this every couple of years is I buy an Android phone and uh, I actually run it as my daily drive for a couple of weeks and find out what it's like. Because I think, you know, if we're going to do this show and we're going to talk about tech, we need to understand more about other other parts of the industry that we're not as familiar with. So um, that's I what use gonna... Android often. Uh, it's usually a, yeah. a customer's device granted, but I use it often and it, yeah. it's there's just a, awful. Well, there's a difference between picking up somebody's phone and actually learning how to use it to do everything you need to do on it. Uh, and so that, that's what I'm going to try and do. I'm not going to spoil it now, but uh, I'm also looking at trying uh, a different fo- form factor for phone as well, so uh, I'm going to have to wait and see if I can pull that off. So I'll talk about that on a, on a future show. But I have to say that at first glance, I think Android is a hell of a lot better than it used to be, um, and aesthetically it might be different than the iPhone, but what I'm interested in finding out is functionally how much I can get done and, and how well these things work, because one of the problems with Android previously was that there were a lot of things on there that that kind of worked but didn't work as well as they did on the iPhone because the iPhone was a fully integrated system. So and this, these, are one of the th- these are the sort of things I'm going to look at. So I shall report back in a, next time we do a show and I'll let you know how that's gone. But um, 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it, Google, the problem with Google I/O is that half of what it's a little, it's a little bit like um, what's it? What's it? What's the big one they do in in the normally do in January in Las Vegas? The um, CES. CES, yeah. Is Google I/O is a little bit like CES? There's a lot of things shown, and only about forty percent of them actually ever come to market. The rest of them just disappear and never get talked about again. Google I/O is very like that because they talk about what they're doing engineering wise. But what actually makes it to consumer products um, and to the operating system is actually very different. Yeah. Um, and and you know Google is famous for this. Apple has been bit by this a couple of times in the last couple of years, where they've talked about things that either they've not been able to release, or alternatively they've released very late, like the AirTags, which we talked about two years ago and uh, only only arrived recently. Um, and then of course there was that charging mat that that they found they couldn't get it working. Google is completely different. Google will tell you about everything they're up to, anything that makes a good presentation. Um, and then, you know, it might come, might not come. And, of course, being Google, sometimes it comes and then they abandon it. So, Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know. Google's kind of weird when it comes to that. They're more of a, um, what's the word? Um, almost a beta showcase. And yeah. a lot of things don't make, well, I, you know what? I'd say more alpha. It's an alpha showcase, and some things never make it out of alpha. They're, they're, yeah. It's either the tech isn't there, which I don't think is the case. I think most of the time it's uh, we can't find a market for this. Like, yeah. for instance, they showed, I don't know the name of it, so forgive me for this, but that supercomputer that pretends it's something else and it answers questions as if it was that thing. I didn't understand the whole point of that at all. <laughs> Yeah. I'm watching it. I'm like, I guess it's kind of cool, but I don't know when I would use it and why I would use it and what's the point of it. What, where, where does that come in? Well, I, th I think the, the reason that things like that come up from Google is because engineering-wise, they come up with something they want to investigate from an engineering point of view. But very often, they then have to try and come up with some sort of use case for it. And <clears throat> yeah. very often, engineers don't have good use case good commercial use cases for the things they're inventing. Uh, and I think Google suffers a little bit of that. I'll tell you what Google reminds me of. You know those scenes in a Bond movie where Bond goes down to see Q to get the latest gadget? Sure. Google, Google I.O. reminds me of that because they always have that, that <laughs> scene where he's walking around and they're showing, and, and in yeah. the background, you see all these things they're trying. You know, it's normally it's a plaster cast that turns out and, and explodes or right. something like that, right? And Google I.O. is a little bit like that. It's all the things you see in the background as they're wandering around. And then the products they launch are the things that Q gives Bond for the movie that during the movie he always finds a use case for, yeah? But then come the next movie, you never see that gadget again. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they've killed it. Uh, well, you should have brought that pen with you that you had last time. Yeah. That would have been handy. <laughs> Exactly. How many times have you thought, gee, you know, Bond could escape from this if he had the laser in the watch that he had in the last movie. Yeah, where, he dude, doesn't have that anymore. Can, can you just go get the old car submarine thing, man? That was... Yeah. Exactly. That, I mean, that that's kind of the way... It, I don't yeah, know. So, so that's, that's what Google I.O. always reminds me yeah. of. <laughs> so it, I think that the changes to Android is going to make it aesthetically a lot more pleasing and i don't want to discount how important that is because some companies like apple um puts a key focus on aesthetics and other companies don't but then 
especially in hardware, all the other companies rush to try to catch up and, and mimic that look of front that Apple is doing. Uh, I think that's less true now than it has been in yeah. the past. But that's not saying a lot because I don't see a lot of aesthetically pleasing things from the rest of the industry. Um, although I, I say that, but yet I've got two products that I just got that that's not really true about. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, I, I'm, I think that the aesthetics though is making it look way more iPhone ish. And I do find it ironic that some of the most hardcore Android guys out there are really touting this when they were kind of dissing Apple for doing that. You know, yeah. I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny. You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of automatic knee jerk criticism on both sides of the fence. On yeah. on the you know whether you're an Apple guy or a Google guy, um, you know it, what's interesting is is how difficult it is to do cross platform stuff. Yeah, it it's is really not easy. Hard. Yeah, it's really if you, you know a lot of people if they if they're given a phone for work will often carry a personal phone as well because they don't want to have their work stuff and their personal stuff mix, you know, and, and it will very often be whatever whatever the work one is, their home one is the same. You don't very often, uh, I don't come across people who have an Android phone and an iPhone because they are, the walled garden is kind of really is a thing. You can't really uh, do an awful lot between them. A lot of the apps don't work on both platforms. Um, you, you know, there are a lot of the core, obviously a lot of the core services are not cross-platform. Um, particularly things like messaging and payments and things like that, um, and there are good reasons for all that. But it's it, you know, it's in some respects, it's kind of disappointing. It, it, I was thinking about this in regards to all this antitrust and monopoly type stuff that's been going on the last few weeks with the, uh, you know, the uh, the saber rattling by the by the U.S. government and the EU against both Apple and Google, and then of course this this recent trial where a lot of uh, the Epic trial where a lot of arguments were made that Apple was its own monopoly, which I'm still not convinced I'm, I buy, but um, we'll see how that how that case you know pans out. But it, you know it's certainly true that you can't you can't interoperate between both Apple and Google easily at all, which is kind of sad. I mean that's what that's one of the reasons I'm doing this experiment with Google because you know you and I being Apple people, um, you know having Apple phones, it, it's certainly true. We, we apart from the as you say the occasional picking up a, an Android phone, we don't get to use it very often, so. It's very difficult to talk authoritatively about it without with without actually using it. Hey, I got a question for you. Sure. On the Zoom, do I have to have the record play on the master out to actually record? Uh, I don't know, but um, off the top of my head, but you should see the in the playback window in that little gray uh, LCD window. Uh -huh. It should show that it's recording. Yeah, it says it's recording, but I don't know if it's actually recording any audio right now. Oh, right. Do you have the master fader turned up? Yep. Well, if you, and you're getting lights, lights on the uh, on the. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in that case, it should be recording. Yeah, I don't think it is though. <laughs> do you want to pause the show and check? Uh. <laughs> do you want to? Do I'm that? pretty sure I'm supposed to have that record do you want to, button. Do you want to do I'm a guy, and I don't, and I've yeah. got the map, and I don't want to ask directions. Thing yeah. where you're just going to ignore it and hope well, for the best. I'm sitting here looking at it, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, isn't record play supposed to be on on the master out? But I can't remember if I ever see any 
indication on the little screen that it's actually recording, like bars or anything. Do you actually ever use this device except for when we're actually live recording the show? Yeah. <laughs> but it's usually wires because that's the problem I'm having. Yeah. I'm thinking it's not recording. Well, let's pause the show. Yeah, and yeah. then check. Okay, let then, me give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to pause my end down. Sounds good. And we are recording. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just, I didn't have the one button push and it kind of freaked me out for a second there. I didn't want to keep going and then find out, well, yeah, well you recorded David's end really well, and but not your own. So Tim's using a Zoom live track L8, which is what I used to have. Um, and that's why he keeps asking me questions because I used to have it and I used to use it. Um, and I switched to the road podcast, the roadcaster which is a similar thing. The Roadcaster is more expensive, but the <laughs> talked about what you're saying about user interfaces. The advantage of the Roadcaster is it's really, really simple to use. It's obvious, whereas the live track is not, because the live track is kind of comes from the audio engineer's background, where people who who use those sort of things know how to use them. the The Road is designed for people who don't know how to use one of those. So, for instance, to press to record on mine, there's a big button which says Rec on it. And it's green, and when you press it, it turns red. Yeah, that's that's how it should be. Yeah, and then I have a big display that shows a, a red recording symbol and uh, the track counting on and all of that. So, anyway. So, let's move on. I am having other problems right now with uh, my with? car stereo. Now, I mentioned oh, that I put dear. a uh, Pioneer system in there a little while ago. About yeah. a year ago, actually, I guess now. And it's been rock solid. Except I get out to the car the other day, and it's dead. And it f turns out there's three different fuses in the vehicle itself that gives it power up there. So right. I finally tracked down which one it was, thanks to Crutchfield, the, the place that I... It hasn't been a year yet. It's been uh, 10 yeah. months. So it's still under warranty. Um, mm -hmm. And thanks to that guy, we've finally figured this one hidden fuse which was uh giving power to the accessory input which is the kind of the steering wheel controls but everything runs through this one little box yeah and the term accessories kept bothering me and it keeps popping it's a seven and a half amp fuse i even put a 20 amp fuse and a 35 amp fuse and it was blowing them as well that's no. not good. So, uh, but the problem, yeah. Well, there's two problems with that. First of all, is it's blowing, and secondly, does that mean it, that 35 amps got to your device before it blew? Yeah, but it didn't seem to affect it any. Um, the only way I can seem to cure it is to unplug the firewire cable or the uh, lightning cable. Right. So, so it's, it's, is it the phone charging? You think then? Um, I don't think it's the charging. I because there I have another cable that comes out of the back of the head unit itself that I plug right. my USB into. And I always meant to mount it somewhere, but it's sitting in the little pull-out ashtray that's that's its whole job is to hold this little round dongle right. so thingy. It, so if you're unplugging the lightning cable, that presumably is disabling CarPlay. Yes. Because yes. I have nowhere to plug in then. But yeah, I think I think most cars most cars don't do wireless right. Car play. But I didn't have any extra lightning cable, so I went and, and bought new ones. They arrived last night. 
I think that it's the cable itself. I think right. the cable has gone okay. bad. I think it's shorted. Because you got to remember, I plug a phone into it every day yeah. for the last two years, you know, yeah. pro- at minimum of twice a day. And then if yeah. Julie takes it, she plugs her phone or Brooke plugs her phone into it. I think that there's a short somewhere in that cable. Because, uh, of course, if you're not plugging the phone in, then they're not doing it right. Because that's, that's, a, that's, an, um, and that's a, an assumption that we make all the time. Yes. You know? So if somebody loads a dishwasher... And it's not you. They won't. They won't Mm-mm. do it right. Even if they copy exactly, they how didn't you do, do it, it right. It yeah, right. they put the knives backwards or something. <laughs> um, the cups do not face up. I mean, they just fill up with water. Come on, people. <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we animals? So I go out the other day, and it's not working. And I'm like, mm. oh no. Well, Brooke plugged in the USB cable, and that blew it. There you go. So I'm 99% convinced that it's that cable. So yeah. now my here's the, here's the dilemma, though. Remember I said I have another cable that comes out of the back of the stereo that I plug my cable into. Mm-hmm. Could be that it one. It could be that one. So I'm thinking pull yeah. the whole stereo out, run a new Firewire cable directly from the back, USB, I should say, directly from oh. the back that I plug into. So I take out the middleman. Would, would you not change the, the front cable first and then see how it goes? Yeah, because that's the easiest way. That's, that's a lot easier than pulling the stereo I can pull out my whole stereo out in about five minutes. I've, I've, I've five done minutes, it a few five times. Minutes, man. It's two Phillips screws and three 10 millimeter bolts. Yeah, you, you know what? You see, I'm, I'm taking the view that taking the stereo out runs a risky breaking something else. I, nah, I'm not worried about that. Well, maybe you should be. Well. Perhaps, perhaps you're being cavalier because my view is if everything's working except for one thing, then you change one thing. Oh, that's what I'm going to do too. And I and I actually got a three pack of really expensive lightning cables. How much were uh, they? Like twenty bucks. <gasps> for wow. lightning cables, that's are they, not, made, are they made of heroin they or are. something? Heroin, meth encased in gold. I mean, if you don't encase them in gold, you know, those people are going to try to snort my cables. That's not good. Hmm. Well, you know what? Here's, <laughs> this is a side point here. I see things on Facebook and Reddit and places on sign where people go, well, this sucks. I've broken my charger. When they say their charger, they actually mean yep. the cable because no, everyone calls the cable the charger. Yep. Yeah. And so you see there with a, a normally a cheap looking lightning or um, USB C cable with the end broken off or something like that, and, and I'm always struck by the my charger. These things are so cheap. Why do you have only one yes. of them? <laughs> Why, whenever you buy one, do you not buy? You know what? I'm going to buy two or three because it'll only be a few bucks more, and then I have some spares so that if I ever break or lose one, I know I can get another no. one. I just can't get these people who, you know, they've got a <laughs> $3.99 lightning knockoff cable, and it's the only way they have a charging I had phone. a uh, customer come in that their phone is no longer working with Apple CarPlay, and it, they just could not figure out what the problem was. So they came in, and I see the cheapest cable plugged into their car. Yeah. And I go to plug it in. I brought another cable just in case and I, I I always try theirs first it literally 
um, the end of it that plugs into your phone was split in two. So she was squeezing it together as she's pushing it into the phone <laughs> and doesn't know what the problem is. It's, uh, yeah, and, uh, that, and and it's gone. Oh, well, no point is gone. Well, it's been like you know that what? for Maybe a while. Well, it's these. been like that for a while. That shouldn't be it. <laughs> I, plug, I plugged the new cable in and it was perfect and I just looked at her. You know, the problem with this is that in 10 years' time, when we're all driving electric cars, people are going to do this with the cables that plug their <laughs> You know, it's going to be their charger. Oh, my charger's broken, and it's be the cable that plugs between the main supply and charges their car. And they're going to go out and buy the cheapest cable they can find. Oh, I'm going to send off. I'm going to send off to uh, China and get a, a cable that's half the price. I, I'm back. just glad that yeah. plug-in hybrids have been ex- relatively expensive and not dirt cheap. Because when they become dirt cheap, you know damn well someone's going to be fishing a power line into their uh, gas cap. Yep, it's going to happen. Oh, I've I've I have seen clips online of people turning up to uh, gas stations with a Tesla and then wandering around. Oh, I've seen those too. Yeah, it's like I we you're legally I think you're allowed to take their car away from them at that point. <laughs> and if not, you should it's, be able it's to. A, it's a bit like the purge. It's the only time you're allowed to commit violence on a person without uh, without any comeback. So. Um, <laughs> Apple finally updated their their podcasting app, so it's no longer eating all the space on there. It took long enough. Yeah, yeah. This wasn't this wasn't. This good. is one of those things that's like did did no one at Apple actually use this to, app at all? Well, this is this is this is the problem. I I I mean, it's possible that very few people did use it because I I think part of the process at Apple as as has been well documented is that any development is is kept within the team that are developing it because everything has to be secret. Yeah, you can't have stuff leaking out. And of course, recently they they were developing this new subscription service for the Apple Podcast app. So you can imagine perhaps extra secrecy because they didn't want it to leak. So, so actually, perhaps the people testing these apps are very, are far less than you might think. Um, but the problem is, is that bearing in mind this was a flagship feature that was announced. Yeah, the fact is the software is garbage. It, it's absolute hot yeah. mess. No and question. You just have to really, you have to wonder. And and I've said this to you before. Um, you know, and I said this to you a couple of weeks ago when uh, just after we finished the show. <laughs> I saw there was an up a point one update waiting for Big Sur on my on my MacBook Air, and I went to update it, and it was six point six gigabytes for a point one. Yeah, for a point one yep. update. Yeah, and then it took ages to install because it was six point six gigabytes, and I just thought to myself, this is ridiculous. Apple knows how to do this. Yeah, the processor I'm running is the same as the one in the iPad, and and, and virtually the one the same as in the iPhone. Yeah. And that, that operating system does not have the huge updates. 6.6 gigabytes is ridiculous. What the hell could be yeah, in it? Yeah, that's the question right yeah. there. What what could possibly and, and, be in there to justify such a large size? It's Exactly. You know, and what happens to poor poor Apple users who, who don't have access to high-speed internet? You know, they're kind of screwed, really. Well, that's been the case for and, a long time for most tech, yeah. I mean. Well, yeah, but... Uh, but really, as I said, Apple spent a lot of time on iOS reducing the size of updates for this very, very yep. reason. And yet, you know, on the Mac, it just seems like nobody bothers. But 
um, you know, the point I made to you, and this thing with the podcast app, which is the same thing, which, as you say, was um, was basically there was a bug in it, so it was re-downloading everything in a subscribe uh, podcast list. So, it I don't know, suppose you'd listen to our show and you were subscribed to us um, and you only had, you, you know, you, you configured the podcast app to only keep a certain number of episodes yep. or basically delete it once you've listened to it. It would basically, the, the app would then go and download from the RSS feed everything it could see, again, whether you'd listen to it or not. And then mark it played, but still download it onto your phone, which obviously um, some, many podcasters now actually um, keep only 15 or 20 episodes in their RSS feed to stop the RSS feed getting bigger. Not everyone does that. But the point is, even if it's 20 episodes, yeah, at, um, you know, 100 megabytes per episode, that's still a lot yeah. of space. Uh, and this was just a, an awful, awful bug. And you, it's like you say, and I've said this to you before, Apple spends so much time on the hardware and they would not, most times, let a hardware product launch if it had major deficiencies in it. Yeah, there are obviously things, like the butterfly keyboard and stuff, but they found that durability wasn't as good as they wanted it to be over time. And unfortunately, then they can be slow to address these things. Um, well, generally, Apple, I think, is, is slow to address problems. But, um, they, you know, they don't really tend to launch hardware products with huge deficiencies in them that need to then be radically corrected very Correctly. quickly. They don't let products go out the door. It's probably a matter of pride with them. You know, even the packaging is very carefully thought out and all of this sort of stuff, you know. They don't let crap go out the door. And yet on the software side, apparently pushing crap out the door is, you know situation yeah it's fine just go ahead and push and, it and out just, it's fine we'll we'll fix it yeah, later you know we'll get it with the point release that's six gigabytes <laughs> yeah it, it's just it's just appalling and and i've got to be honest with you apple never you know they they've done they're, ne they're never as good as we sometimes like to think they have been they've always had problems they've always had weird quirks they've always shipped devices with too little storage or too little memory and then charge you a fortune to well that's one of my issues often, with the new imax yeah. you know i was seriously thinking man you know i'd really like to get into the an m1 processor i don't need it right now my imac is fine that being said i keep looking at the new imax and go those are really nice looking machines they are beautiful here's the problem my imac has two terabytes of SSD memory from other world computing. Yeah. And I, I, I want that space. I can't imagine it runs well when you only get 256 gigabytes or even 512 gigabytes. Where, where do you put all your pictures? Well, I currently oh, yeah. put them on an external yeah. drive. Yeah. Well, that's what you have to do with the new iMac as well. You, I, that, that the reason that it's got Thunderbolt three or Thunderbolt four or whatever it is is because Apple gives you what Apple gives you, and then they expect you to use an external drive for everything. On my machine, I'm not saying. Go ahead. I'm not saying that's the right answer, but that's that would be the answer they give them. They they, they would give. They would say, "Well, you know, two terabytes of storage is really really expensive, and not everybody wants that. So we 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 expect people to use an external drive." I d I don't. I'm not sure that's the right answer, but uh, that's the answer they would give you. I am running uh, you know? two terabytes, and I've got 1.15 terabytes available with 30 gigabytes purgeable. Uh, 
Um, and I, but I manage that space. Yeah. And I can't imagine that 256 would just, I, I couldn't do it. Well, if you used the two terabytes, that would be very, very difficult. I, I can absolutely see that. My MacBook Air has 256 gig and, and I manage fine on it, but then I'm not using it the way you're using your iMac. No, it's my main um, machine that so everything is run through. But here's, here's the really peculiar thing. So are you not able to get two terabytes in an iMac? Sure, if I want to spend $2,500. All right. Yeah, so there's I the think problem. that was the price. See, Let me look. I actually put it in my... Uh, um, my shopping cart, I think. Uh, your bag is empty, so no, I didn't. <laughs> I probably saw that, and I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening. So if I click buy, I want to buy one. And I would definitely want one with the... Um... All right, so I'm going to select... How do you... Okay. I'm going to select... Okay, so I'd want 16 gigs of RAM, not 8. And that's mm. another two hundred bucks. I want yeah. two terabytes which, of storage, you know, which is another six hundred, which is actually isn't bad. So I'm at twenty four ninety nine right now, twenty five hundred bucks before tax. Yep. And that basically gives me the same machine I have right now, but not really because I think uh, I'm running more RAM than that. Yeah, I'm running. Uh, yeah, you got yeah, I got thirty two gig. gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So. The question there, it, I, I always say with, with anybody, when it comes to RAM, yeah, there, there is a myth. I think, I think it's a myth going around at the moment that you need 16 gigs of RAM. I say crap. Yeah, it's that. You don't. Most people don't need 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, most people don't need more than 16 gigs of RAM, yeah, depending on what you're doing. And I think anybody who's running 32 gigs of RAM should make damn sure they understand what they're using that RAM for. Right, that I'm not. I'm not a lover of this idea of saying, "Oh, well, it's going to future-proof me." It's like, no, it's not, because actually, the reality is the other components in that system will age more quickly than the RAM will. And when you want to upgrade the system later on, you're not going to give a damn. It's got 32 gig of yep. RAM in it. You're not going to hold on to a system because it's got 32 gig of RAM in it. Yeah, I would agree so with that. The, the, yeah. So I think having eight and sixteen, because most people don't need sixteen. Eight is actually more than sufficient for most people who aren't really pushing their machines. Yeah. Uh, the M1's a very quick machine. And also it has a very, very quick, because of the way it's designed, it has very quick SSDs in it as well. So you don't take a performance hit as much as you do with older machines when it comes to paging RAM out to disk. So I would say 8 gig is good for most people. 16 gig is probably good for a power user. Yeah. For there are a lot of people who want more than that. I say wait for bigger machines yep. but you know what you're going to pay a lot of money for that memory because the memory is built into the chip remember these computers now are effectively ipads yeah so you've got to look at them like they're ipads you can buy a two terabyte ipad starting at 1749 you know so you know the prices are in the ballpark if you think the big screens and everything like that as well um so the 32 gig of ram i understand um that's a need for some people and there will be machines i'm sure that cater to that you know, we're we're still in the early transition. The iMac is effectively it's still an entry level computer. Yes, it is. Even though, yeah, even though you've got a processor in there, would actually uh, completely spank the processor you have in the iMac in front yeah, of you well, right now in terms of yes. performance. Yeah. Okay. With the storage, you know, I kind of see what you're saying. 
but again, I think you've got to think about these machines like their iPads. And nobody expects to be able to upgrade the storage in their iPad. Yeah. What I would do in your position is I would buy maybe a 512 gig or one terabyte um, iMac and then basically split my storage. So you still use an external drive. So you, you have more, enough space for what you need inside the machine and then, uh, and then put your data on, on the all my data drive. is on external drive. My music, my pictures, my movies, they're all on external drives. So what's taking two terabytes in the, in the core um, machine? Boy, you know, that's a good question. Uh, let me see here. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll take too long for it to calculate everything. But, right. yeah, okay. it's... But I think that's the question. You need to look at what your, what your core storage is being used... And maybe add 50, 75% on there for, as overhead. Right. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I would need a two terabyte. If I'm at, I'm almost, oh, I'm you, almost, almost maxed out right now at one terabyte. Right. But that, then I think you need to take a long, hard look at what's taking the space because I can't believe you've got one terabyte of programs. Um, it starts adding up pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, then it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the situation with an iPad. If you've got a 256-gig iPad, yeah, most people, and I think you've said this to me before with the iPad, is that, um, you know, sometimes people buy more storage than they need in the iPad because they've got loads and loads of programs on the iPad. But then you say, well, how often do you use those programs? It's like, we, you know, you don't. They're sat there doing nothing because you don't use them most of the time. True. That is absolutely you know, true. So so it could be it could be the case there. You know, and, and look, if, if, you, if you can't, you can't if you if you need one terabyte because you're using all those programs, then you need one terabyte and you've got to spend the money or two terabytes. If you're not, then you've got to ask yourself, do I want to kind of do solve this problem by doing some work and pruning down my apps, or do I want to throw money at it and buy a two terabyte iMac? But the, pro, the, the the difficulty now is, and you can't get away from it, unfortunately, is is being able to put new internal storage into the machines. It's just not going to happen No, anymore. it's done. He, and, and part, part of the reason as well is that with all the security and the, the, the uh, security chips and everything in there now, you can't, you found this when you tried to upgrade your SSD. You can't just put a new, new drive in there and then boost up and have it work. Yeah? It has to be all approved by the system and, you know, you you can get in a right, as you as I believe you did. You got, you got right... Um, uh, pickle about getting uh, your operating system installed because of of all the stuff you can't see that that Apple is doing now inside the machines for security reasons, uh, and they are becoming more and more closed boxes. Mobile applications, and, uh, one point or one hundred sixty four gigabytes. Yeah, well, that's just that's, that's old. just stuff from iTunes. You can get rid of all. Yeah, of because that. nothing is. Yeah, nothing's well, coming off iTunes what? anymore. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of cr old crap in there. Yeah, you'll have probably gigabytes of uh, of messages of yeah, the and, the, and pictures the, in your in your iMessages. Yeah, I know that's going to be the case. Um, yeah, yeah. The last date modified for mobile applications is August of 2017. Yeah. So select all, delete. Ah, well, hang on a minute before you do uh -huh. that, because there will be some apps in that list you probably can't get off the iTunes. Yeah, that's okay. I don't give a shit more. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't care about old apps that. Which leads us to our feedback yeah. um, from Brendan. I thought this was interesting. Go ahead. You want to read it? Yeah. 
Since you and Tim are interested in old games, today's BBC Radio 4 edition of the Digital Human might interest you, as it is dedicated to the subject of preserving old games. The history of early cinema, radio and television has suffered from mass loss of material. Lon Chaney's vampiric grin, Betty Balfour's joyful dances were melted down for the silver. That's when they were on um, uh, uh, celluloid. Yeah. Canisters full of voices from radio's early days cast aside Doctor Who and Dad's Army fans still scour basements and attics in the hope of finding episodes lost decades ago. And that, yeah, this was a problem in, in um, yeah, I, I probably disagree that anybody needs to see old Dad's Army episodes. There's an old British sitcom that, I, in my view, didn't age well. But um, certainly the, the Doctor Who thing is well known that um, lots of episodes were recorded over by the BBC in the very early days of the 60s because the the ability to retransmit those things wasn't really a requirement because it was only one or two channels. Uh, and um, the tapes, the uh, recording medium were really, really expensive and they took a lot of space up to store. So um, the BBC was known for deleting a lot of old stuff. Uh, and I think that a lot of that happened in the US as well. There's yep. lots of lost episodes of TV shows. Yeah, well, well. It, because back in the day it was... There was no recorded media that someone's going to be able to, and everything was live. So even though they recorded a lot of that stuff, it, it was meant to be consumed right then. Yeah. And there were, and nobody thought yeah, and anybody it, and, was going to care about the old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. When a new technology creates a new art form, says Brendan, we seem to make the same mistake, not seeing the value in ditching parts of our cultural history. The same mistake was made with video games. Compounding this is the fact that games are a particularly challenging art form to preserve. Technology is constantly changing. Consoles rapidly become obsolete. And for the first few decades, the companies that made the games had no financial incentive to save old games. It was all too easy for games to be cast into the void. However, the gaming community has long been fighting against the erasure of history. And now more and more organizations are forming to save not just games, but the cultural and social history tied up in the games and the communities who love them. Alex Krotowski, who's the host of the Digital Human Podcast, um, explores uh, how we can prevent gems of video game history from being lost while following the unlikely story of how one of these forgotten games was recovered against the odds. I haven't listened to it oh, yet, but I'm, I'm very interested. I've got it, uh, Yeah, I would say bookmarked, but it's not bookmarked. <clears throat> if it's something that I'm only going to explore one time, I don't actually create a bookmark, I'll drag, I, I guess you could say the clipping thing, to my desktop, which will open yeah. up the website and can do that you can put it in notes there's um uh, edge on windows allows you to save these things called collections yep. which are or you can actually like, read it to your you know, add it to your reading yeah. list you can do that in uh yeah. chrome and of course it will be it will be in our show notes so you can find it there too uh, a link to the podcast so i i think um just a caveat is that this is this is on the bbc website so i don't know how easy it will be to access from outside the uk i accessed it fine well, I've okay, got it good. right up, and I can hit listen now and or download it. And excellent, that's because you know me; you have a bit of British. Yeah, influence. there you go. Yeah, so hopefully my British influence will spread out over the podcast airwaves to all of our listeners, so they can listen to it. They're so interested. It, I, it's inter it is interesting. This came up because I remember um, reading probably about twelve months ago. Um, yeah, that's right. It was at the beginning of lockdown last. Keep year going, David. I started, I'll be right back. Yeah. I started getting back into playing more video games because I had a bit more time in my hands because I wasn't traveling as much. Uh, and I actually loaded up um, the original Diablo 
on my um, on my PC, and I played it right through to the end, which I'd never done before. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that. And so then I went on to Diablo 2. Now, Diablo 2 is is accepted by many people as being one of the best games of all time of its genre. Yeah, it, it was it improved on the things in the original Diablo, and it felt like they got it pretty much perfect. In fact, when Diablo 3 came out um, many years later, it had much nicer graphics and everything, but people really felt the gameplay wasn't anywhere near as good as Diablo 2. So there's been a, a long um, long-held request from people who like these games for them to remaster Diablo 2 at Blizzard. They have remastered um, Warcraft and they have remastered um, Starcraft before. So um, this is it's obviously like it like it is in in the movie industry where they're doing reboots. There's been a lot of call for remasters, uh, and when they were asked about remastering Diablo 2, they said it wasn't possible because a lot of the original source media and everything had been lost. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, that. Apparently, it had been yeah. Now, at the last BlizzCon, they announced they are remastering Diablo 2. It's out in a couple of months' time, so I don't know how they pulled that off, but apparently they are, and and what people have seen from the uh from the early alphas of uh, the diablo 2 remaster is it's brilliant um and it is one of these ones again where the um the you know they've got new assets they've got high resolution graphics and everything it's all running on a recreation of the original engine and it plays like the original game so none of the the kind of the the secret source that was in the original game has been lost um, and uh, yeah i'm really excited about it actually i'm looking forward to being able to diablo play. 2 is so um, much better yeah, uh, as I was saying, it's it's generally felt to be virtually a perfect example of the genre. Isn't Blizzard um, kind of um, an also ran at this point, though? Uh, well, I mean, what do they do anymore? Of, well, they do this. <laughs> they remastered their own content. You know, ever since they got sold uh, off to Activision and the yeah. key people left, it's just a shadow. I mean, all it is now is an IP farm. I mean... So uh, yeah, I mean, I played Diablo three and I did really enjoy it, but it wasn't the same as the original game. For a start, it was it was really easy. Even when you turned up the uh, when you turned up the the difficulty, it was so easy because so many of so much of the stuff you get in the game is so overpowered that by the end by the end of the game, I was just you know it didn't matter what was coming at me. I just walked up and murdered it, and um, you know that that's not that's not great. Yeah, and and that's because they want people to keep playing accessibility. Yeah, they, I get it. They, well, yeah, they've ch- no. They, it's not even that they've changed the model. They want people to play through the game loads of times, yeah. right? And they want be people to play through it once to find out what it's like, and then play through it again on a harder difficulty with a bit more of a challenge, and then play through it again and 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 get a new game mode that allows them to sell more stuff to you. It's all about monetizing the IP. But the problem is, if you just want to sit down and play the game once, it's, it's not its not much of a challenge. Warcraft, Starcraft, yeah. uh, Diablo. I mean, for yep. an entire decade, uh, probably, I'm going to say from 99 to 2009, those were the three biggest IPs in video games. Computer video games, not consoles. I mean, those were the big three. And what are they now? They're also RANs. That this entire generation has never played them, and they don't have any particular desire to. It it's kind of sad because, they, man, they they were. Just think of the online community they built around Warcraft Three. You know. Yeah. It 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 was amazing, and it's just hard. Yeah, gone. but those those the the, the the strategy here is for less money than coming up, less money and less risk than coming up with something new. 
you can redo but, but they're those not games and reset and, and sell them to the same people again but they're really not redoing but, them those those people well they are i mean diablo 2 is coming no 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 i mean i mean taking these to another level they're not redoing yeah, well, what they did before they're they're rehashing yeah, because, and there's a difference yeah they're rehashing because because that's cheaper um than than and less risky than doing something brand yep. new yeah uh, and um you know the people who were in their twenties when the game first came out, and now in their forties with lots of disposable income, suckers like me will buy them again. I mean, I've got to be honest. With both, uh, not so much with StarCraft. I never really got StarCraft, but with I Diablo, love Diablo too. too. Yeah, yeah I, I, I must try and get into it, but it, it, it just doesn't appeal to me as much as um, the Command and Conquer games did for some reason. I like those as but well. But anyway, uh, yeah. And but but the thing is, I bought the Command and Conquer remaster they did recently, and I love it. Um, and I God, even before they remastered them, I must have bought both Diablo and Diablo Two. On uh, I, I must have bought it at least two, three times just on PC. Uh, you know, either lost my discs. There was one time when I was working away for a couple of weeks, and I thought I'm just going to go and buy it in in the store and play it again because I couldn't didn't have access to my original original media. Um, yeah, I must have done that. Two, three times easily. I had, um, uh, and the, I, I wanted to play StarCraft 2 and I couldn't for the Mac. I, I don't remember why, but I couldn't do it. And so what I did was download a DOS emulator, of all things, yeah. and loaded up a illegal copy, which I didn't yeah. care because I bought the, I bought StarCraft 2 a couple times. So I figure I have yeah. every right to it. And I played it there and it worked great on my Mac. I mean, it was smooth. Yeah. Um, all the, I, I tell you what muscle memory on some of those old games really just flies right back at you. Cause my, my fingers yeah. knew exactly what buttons to push to do what I wanted to do. I even remembered, um, it, I, I like to play them with a cheat. <laughs> I hated, yeah. I hated the fog of war where you can't see anything unless your guy's right there. So yeah. I'd always type hit messages and type fog of war and that would get rid of it. And, uh, you know, I is this one of those things that it was so challenging, you know, and it was not easy, and you had to use, you had to have skill, you had to have the experience, you had to know what to use at what time and to where to position yeah. things, and um, it it was just a lot of fun. It just really was, and I, and I was glad I did yeah. it. Well, I'm, I'm the one the un, the one thing that really excites me about Diablo 2, apart from the opportunities to play it again, is the fact that this time it'll be on the Switch, which is which means I can take it with me wherever I go. That's, which see, is, that's interesting to me. I, I I don't yeah I don't think that you could really do it Diablo because you have one character and you're just walking around and hack and slash, so that's cool. I don't think you can do a Warcraft or a Starcraft, the old ones, on yeah. Oh, on a switch you you're you're creating no, armies and moving them around and positioning yeah. things and you know you it, it's i suppose if you had the right control system but it, it would, would be clunky be something really really good um and um anything that requires you to not be able to do it in real time but to pause the thing to i think you could do it on the ipad simply the because like your finger is now the cursor so that would yeah. work i think that would probably work really well i'm surprised they haven't done it well, because no, because big big companies don't like to release on the iPad. Well, there's 100%. that. So we both got something new to play with, 
and uh, no, we did. You sent me a picture and, and of fact- yours. <laughs> yeah. Are you coming to assimilate me, David? Okay. Uh, that's um, yeah. This is one of those things. It's a cool bit of technology, uh, and it actually works really well. Um, but it's one of those things, like many bits of tech, this is not something you want to wear in front of. No. Body. So this is from um, this was a Kickstarter actually, and I have I've been after something like this for a long time, and um, most of the things that that are available are really expensive and not very good. This is not very expensive, um, and actually, given the fact that it's not very expensive, I I, I thought one hundred ninety nine dollars. You've got to have a use. Yeah, uh, and in fact, I I got mine for slightly less now. This was a Kickstarter, so you can find them around for less than that if you don't mind getting a used one. Um, this is this is from a company called Viewfind, uh, and it's called the Viewfind Plus. And what it is is it basically it clips to the the arm of a pair of glasses using a magnetic mount, and then it comes around the front, uh, and then it, it has like a little box in front of your eyeball, um, and inside that box is a 720p display. So and um, since it's sitting no real close to your eyeball, it I have to imagine it looks it, pretty big. It, well, it, it kind of looks like if you took an iPhone and you held it up in front of your face, it looks like that. Yeah. Um, so imagine like it maybe twenty p maybe a smaller iPhone, like an iPhone 5 or an or a iPod Touch. Imagine if you took that up and you held it a few inches in front of your face, in front of one of your eyes. It looks about that big. Um, and... You the, this this doesn't have wireless. It uses HDMI, so you just which is in my view is an advantage because it means you can plug anything with an HDMI output into this and be able to see a picture rather than have to. Some of the other solutions use wireless on on that sort of thing, which is more convenient. But obviously, it restricts you have to have apps and all this sort of stuff. It restricts what you can do with it. This is just pure HDMI. So anything with an HDMI output, you can plug it in, and you will see the picture of of this thing in front of your in front of your eye. Um, now, what I use this for is for porn. Um, if I it's want to porn, watch right? Really? What? You had to take it to the lowest <laughs> level. Uh, the if lowest? To, no, come on. Yeah. <laughs> if I want to watch uh, video without disturbing my good lady next to me in bed at night because she doesn't like the brightness of the TV screen, then I can put uh, put a pair of headphones in uh, and watch this. Uh, what? Um, if you don't wear glasses. Um, it comes with a pair of blank glasses, so you can do that. Or you can strap it to your actual glasses if you want. Uh, and you can lie down at night and you can watch video. Um, it's great in a dark room because then you don't need to worry about closing the other eye because yeah. it's dark. So very quickly your eye, your brain adjusts to it and you can see it. And, you know, for watching video, it's great. The resolution is not quite good enough for you to be able to do, like, uh, you won't be able to ed- edit your email on it or anything like that. Um, a lot of people apparently use these if they fly drones, so they can see the drone. Yeah, that's kind of still keep their situal around. Yeah, I, that's kind of the one of the main things that they're kind of promoting it as, which to me makes sense. It's yeah. it's not and, it's not a device that you're going to be um, wearing all day long. Number one, it looks extremely no, dumb, and, and also as well, yeah, you can't you can't no. wear it all day long because the battery only like the battery's pretty yep. small, so it only lasts about an hour and a half. Some people, it's got a separate charge, micro USB charging port on it, so you could plug a an external battery into it if you wanted, but then you've got two cables coming down from the side of your head rather than one. Um, 
But, you know, I, I suppose, like, suppose you were, I don't know, doing some repetitive work task uh, and yet you want to keep an eye on the game at the same time. You could use this. Yeah, something like that. You know, any, any, and yeah, any, any kind of instance when you might, might be using computer and perhaps have a picture in picture in the bottom, you could use this instead if you wanted to. So, with the um, rumors going around of Apple all in on AR, do you think that that's something that is interesting to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. it is. De definitely. Just in the same way that I couldn't wait for Apple to make the Apple Watch. That was something I'd always wanted. I can't <laughs> wait for Apple to make great AR glasses where. You know, it superimposes graphics over your vision. That, I think that I think that's incredibly cool, and I think that's probably the future of computing. Because let's face it, we all spend most of our day, every day now, staring at our phones. So it just makes sense to put the information from our phones in front of our faces. So um, yeah, this is this is. I, th I think these sort of things are the future, um, and. Uh, I was kind of excited to try this out, and uh, I'm really, really pleased with it. As I say, I, I, I have a use case for it, and it's just damn cool. The fact that you can, you know, you do, and yeah, part of it from a geek point of view is that you do look like the ball because you do have this thing stuck in front. Maybe I should mount a little pen laser on top of it to really give me the whole the cutest of Borg look about. But um, yeah, if, 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 if you've ever felt like having something like this, this is a good low cost, relatively low cost uh, way of getting into it. Uh, and, and my experience is, is, is it works pretty well. So I got some uh, new toys to play with as well. Tell so me. So I got two laptops in, and they're not Macs. Uh, I have, mm -hmm. for two weeks now, I've had uh, the Lenovo Flex 5, it's a 14 inch laptop. And it's foldable, so you can literally fold it in half and use it as a tablet. And when you're not in tablet mode, it's just a regular laptop. And I've had it for, it's got 16 gigs of RAM, 256 SSD, uh, AMD graphics, and it comes with a digital pen, pen which yeah. I, I barely used. This is a AMD Ryzen system as well. Right? It is. Um, it's not Intel. Uh, Intel yep. one, yeah. And I was, I've been interested in, in having some kind of a laptop that wasn't a Mac for a while now, and it came up available, so I snatched it. Yeah. And so far, I haven't played with it a whole lot. I've been kind of busy. Uh, Brooke is graduating high school, and last week was actual graduation and next week is the graduation party. So right now everything is about getting ready for the party. Um, yeah. so once that's done and over with, I'll have more free time mentally to kind of play with it. And, but so far I, I, I kind of really like it. It's a uh, $700, 709, 710 bucks on Amazon right now. And it is quick. It's fast. It does exactly what, it advertises you flip it over but the problem is when you flip it over the keyboard is now the back of the the ipad if yep. you will uh the screen looks great yeah. and uh it's okay to type on so far my biggest critique of it is the atrocious really really bad trackpad it's yep. awful it, it i don't like the trackpad at all and so when I'm using it in laptop mode, I still touch the screen instead of using 
uh, the trackpad and the cursor yeah. because it's 10 times easier, which has now convinced me <clears throat> that Apple is missing the boat when it comes to touch computers. Uh, okay. So, so I'll give you my perspective on this as somebody who runs a fleet of 50 or 60 laptops. Um, we don't buy them generally with touch unless it comes kind of for free. I think touch is a nice to have, particularly in that circumstance where you don't like the trackpad. Most of our users would fire up a Bluetooth mouse or a, um, a dong wireless dongle mouse and always use that with their laptop. Most of us don't rely on the trackpads. They aren't as good. Even the ones with, there's a, there's a Microsoft kind of standard for trackpads, which if it's implemented makes them much better and much closer to Apple's ones. But the problem is for the majority of things, they're not as big as Apple's touchpads. No. Uh, you know, on my MacBook Air, the touchpad is, is at least a third of the entire width of the keyboard. Most PC laptops don't do that. And that is the real problem. You need for touch gestures and the kind of the modern operating systems, the way they use with multiple fingers and all that, you need to have more area than most of them give you. Um, you know, this it's a shame, but this one will have probably a glass touchpad that um, should work well, but they just don't um i don't so, know every time yeah, i try to use it, it it seems to maybe it's just because of my years with the ipad but it seems very responsive it usually in fact i i yeah set as default um it usually picks up perfectly exactly what i meant to touch yeah <clears throat> but that's a, and it does have a <clears throat> a fingerprint reader which is it yeah. seems to work fine I don't know that it saves yeah, me a well, whole lot of time than typing a four-digit pin, but... Well, most people should not be using four-digit pins on a computer. That's, well, that's the yeah. reason why. Yeah, I, I actually have um, uh, my my Dell work computer here, which actually most of the time stays closed because I'm using clamshell mode at home at the moment. I actually bought a USB fingerprint reader that's plugged into my monitor because the problem with Windows in particular is it's locked all the time. Yeah, that uh, is and true. Any time you come... And any time you come back to it, you've got to unlock it. And those, you know, the, the typing the things, I've got a six-digit pin on mine, um, it all starts to add up. Uh, and actually, the fingerprint reader on mine, uh, the USB one, is, is, is great. It's nice to have it built in. Most of the laptops we buy now do. Um, and they work just as well as the Touch ID sensor on, on any Apple device. So the um, so, other device that I got is yeah. another laptop. Well, the cat's getting into a bunch of crap hold on what are you doing quit it oh i swear to god she just waits till i start recording the dogs know better the cat doesn't <clears throat> and it i yell at it and it just looks at me like what uh is an hp pavilion uh x360 touchscreen laptop just like the other one it, it folds and you can use it as a like an ipad 11th gen uh, core Intel Core i5. So this is an Intel. Um, and yeah, I kind of wanted to see the difference between a Ryzen and an Intel on these things. 14 inch, yeah. just the same size screen. Windows 10, long battery life. Um, 12 gigs of RAM, which is kind of odd. Yeah. Tw 12 gigs. But I think that goes back to what yeah. you say. Uh, once you get over 10, it probably doesn't make any difference, anyways. Um, yeah. 256 SSD. So it's, they're pretty similar. <clears throat> I do kind of like the look of the HP. It's silver. 
Um, but I haven't played with this one hardly at all. I will say that oh, the right. touchscreen seems as finicky as uh, as the other one. The touchpad. Touch touch touchscreen. Yeah. The, the no, the pad. I yeah. I don't like I maybe I just don't like Windows touchpads because they don't they well they, they seem they are, goofy compared they, to Apple's. That that could be the Windows thing. It could be that you're actually interacting with a different UI. Uh, that makes it feel different, but uh, both of these machines are kind of uh, they're consume they're top end consumer right. machines rather than business yep. laptops. So the business laptops, the Ultrabook class, they tend to have that um, Microsoft Precision TrackPoint sort of standard on that makes them a little bit better. Um, but yeah, as I say, I, most people I know who use a PC laptop use a mouse. Most people don't rely on the trackpad unless they have to. Um, the touch, the touch screen is interesting, really. So the tent mode you talk about, the fact that you can turn it round, I see a lot of people use them in tent mode so they can watch a video. I hardly ever see anybody fold them around and use them as a tablet because basically Windows is just worse as a tablet than it is as a PC. Yep. And even people who buy Surfaces, yeah, they'll buy the, the, the add-on keyboard and then they'll sit down and they'll use it like a laptop. They will touch the screen, but what they won't really do is actually get a pen out and use it as a tablet, except for very vertical yeah. cases or occasionally. It's nice to have a pen if you need to sign a document and you want to sign it with your actual handwriting. Um, but beyond that, unless you're doing art or something that's creative like that, where you where you really need to like use the pencil interface to it, then you probably you're probably not going to use that touch screen very much or the tablet mode. And of course. You know the reason I think that that the Mac doesn't come with touchscreen is because Apple already has a perfectly good touchscreen computer, and they call the iPad. And I think their view is the iPad is better at touch, and there's no point adding it to the Mac. So I, I think that I think that's their. I don't know. As someone who is more decision. of a Mac guy than a PC guy by five thousand percent, I'm really impressed with both of these uh, when it comes to the touchscreen. They they both work yeah. extremely well. Well, the technology is fine. Um, you know, there. This is the thing. There is not much. I, Apple has better screens now, and and apparent by all accounts, this new screen in the new twelve-inch iPad Pro is amazing. It's like a really big step up. So Apple is is often pushing the technology boundaries, but in terms of the stuff that really they've they've brought to laptops the last five years, the PC industry is there now. Yeah. The, the machines are it, aesthetically they're a different choice, but the machines machines are as nice. Um, you know, you mentioned the Lenovo keyboard. They, they, I found the Lenovo keyboards, uh, uh, which is disappointing because they've always had very good keyboards on the ThinkPads and stuff. But I find on a lot of the Lenovo laptops, the key keyboards just a little bit lacking in travel that makes them uh, hard harder. To well, I can say that so uh, far between the two, uh, the HP has a way better keyboard. Um, yeah. HP's big thing is they're really pushing the it's audio by Bing and Olsen. I don't see that it's yeah. much better than the one that's on Lenovo, which I don't even know who no, makes that. Yeah, it's it's physics that I mean, you still got a tiny speaker in a tiny little case that's not optimized for producing audio. Um, you know, they the HP are also pushing the fact that the machines last longer as well. I don't know whether whether the battery on that as well is that. Is the pavilion, is it metal or is it plastic? Uh, I think it's metal. You think it's, well, that's pretty good. Um, you know, look, they're both 
they're both great laptops. Um, I think, you know, uh, if you're in, into looking for a Windows machine, I guess the, yeah, the design of the, uh, the internals of the pavilion are maybe a little bit newer. So, um, I, I, funnily enough, I should be getting an HP machine this week because with this, um, with this uh, worldwide chip shortage now, we we are struggling to buy the laptops we normally buy for yeah. work. We just can't get them. I think I mentioned this a couple you of weeks did. ago. So uh, we managed to snag an HP one. Um, so I said, right, well, let's get that in and I'll, I'll have a look at it and see if we think it's good enough for our staff. You know, it's got everything that people want on it. So uh, I'm going to be trying that out. Uh, hopefully it should arrive in the next week. Or so. I do like that um, these both have, you know, full-size HDMI, Um the other big difference is HP uses their own proprietary plug-in, whereas the Lenovo uses just a USB-C. So I, yeah, that, 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 I don't yeah. know why they're still doing that at HP. It's really dumb. Well, yeah, you, you can charge that laptop over over USB-C. Yeah, as but well. they don't make a point um, of that. In fact, the one that they ship with is no. an actual plug, which is like, yeah. Meh. I, I mean, I've got to be honest. Uh, my, I think all the laptops we buy. Um, the Dell ones come with their own charger, and we normally just uh, dump them and tell tell our users to use yeah. USB-C. That's just a, so it's more way more convenient. convenient, and I do like that Lenovo recognizes that. Now, screen-wise, which one looks better? Holding them side by side, which one do you think I'm going to go with? Uh, well, I can't. I'm only looking at like website yep. pictures. I would suggest maybe the HP. They're both 1080p displays. Yep. They, it, and it is better. Yeah. I, I would say yep. it, it is not just brighter, but it's sharper. You know, it's not, yep. it's not a, a MacBook with a retina screen. It's just not. No, well, it's, it's, it's a lower resolution. They, they do sell 4K yeah. displays that are kind of getting up to, uh, well, probably equivalent to, uh, to it. But, the, but here's the thing with a PC. Yeah, this is this is a pro, a real problem actually, and, and again, I'm talking about differentiation between what Apple does. Is that those PCs? If you buy a 4K, um, like a high res display, yeah, Windows will look better. It won't look that better. Some Windows programs don't deal with the display resolution properly, and so the the app will look tiny, and all the UI will look tiny. Um, but they consume a lot more power, yep. and so the battery life suffers, and the machines are a lot more expensive. Whereas uh, with Apple, you get a resident now, at least you get retina display on it on every ba- entry level machine, and because they're M one based, yeah, the batteries battery life doesn't care. What was so, nice is, uh, it, it, you, know. you know, I signed into Microsoft and it recognized that I bought, I didn't buy, I got it for free, a movie called Game Over, and it was the uh, 2014 documentary about uncovering the Atari ET cartridges in yeah. the desert. Spoiler alert, they found them. Um, yeah. It was 100% true. So I started watching it in laptop mode, full screen, and it looked fine. And I thought, well, let me flip this over. And it looked exactly the same. Shocker, because it's the same screen. But yeah. it it felt like it took less space, if that makes any sense. Well, it does, because then you're in a then you're in a tent mode, aren't you? So you can actually put it in this kind of angled mode where well, you could you, fold it completely flat and just walk around with it watching it. I found that that was well, kind of yeah, neat exactly. too. Yeah. Now, yeah. is it as nice as my iPad? No, but the screen is bigger. Um, and when you're watching a movie, I mean, do, do you really need a 4K screen on your computer to watch a movie? No. no. I mean, that's what the TV is for in your living room, right? That being yeah. said... 
I found it completely acceptable. The audio was, and this was on the Lenovo. Um, I found it completely acceptable. Now, here's my use cases. I want one here. This is why I got two. And I want one at work. And I want the one at work because I can tether it to my iPhone. And when our computers go down, which happens every six weeks for a couple hours and you can't do anything, everything is run through the cloud. Um, And there's no Bluetooth or no anything on the work computer. So I can't even tether a work computer to my phone. I can just pull out my laptop, plug in my big screen there, tether it to my iPhone and keep going. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to decide which one I want, which one I want at home and which one I want at work. Right now I have the HP at work because I thought it's been pretty slow lately because, well, no inventory. Um, Yeah. I wanted to play with HP more because I've been playing with the Lenovo more here at home. So split up my time a little bit. So far, though, other than typing and two atrocious trackpads, I like both of them. But I like the aesthetics. A little bit more, just a little bit more on the HP, but I'm kind of coming around um, to the Lenovo. The Lenovo came with a digital pen, which I find stupid. I I haven't found a use for it yet. And it has this little um, holder that you plug into one of your USB ports. It doesn't charge or anything. It's just a little rubber thing that sticks in there. And I've got it in there right now, but it's kind of dumb. You don't charge it. It takes a AAA battery. But all in all, I'm happy to have both of them. I don't know how often I will use either one. But I did want, because the, my backup computer right now is a old, old uh, G or, uh, Intel, but an old Intel um, PowerBook or uh, MacBook. 17 inch it's just too big it's yeah. very clumsy no yeah. yeah i i wanted something small like this and i, I kind of like it i kind of like both of them yeah yeah I, I you know modern pc laptops are great computers they really have closed the gap you know they used to be kind of clunky yes. heavy and thick no and, they've closed now the gap. they're not they have yeah now and they're uh, they are neither one of these are anything like a macbook or macbook pro which is why i no. wanted to go this route because there's a whole side of computing that a lot of people are buying that you and I don't use on a daily basis. Well, I, especially me. So this puts me in the PC room. I do want to get some PC gaming going on here. I have a uh, steam account. So I, I plan on connecting a, uh, I don't know if I want to go with a, a PS4 or maybe an Xbox one controller, but just download some games and see what these machines can do because yeah. Ryzen is very good you for can, gaming. Yeah, if um, if you do want to do that, you might want to look at the Xbox um, PC Game Pass, which is only like a few dollars a month, and it gives you access to a whole load of yeah. I looked um, at it. PC games, yeah, I, you know, and it, it just means you can try a whole load of different types of games rather than the stuff you own. Um, and you can normally get it on a trial for a month or two if you want to want to try that as well. Yeah, how do you find Windows Ten? Because obviously, well, I've been uh, I use Windows Ten every day at work. I know. Well, and yeah, but in, at work you're using the cloud application. It's not really using the OS that much, are you? Mm, no, I use OS pretty uh, not extensively, but I mean, uh, everything printer and all that. My desktop. I mean, I use yeah. I use it quite a bit. I I I would say to anybody who's a 
an, an Apple fan is that you know you there's always been oh Windows is terrible Windows Windows 10 nowadays is not that no terrible. it's not it still has its it still has its foibles but you know what it's again that's something that has gotten much much closer to the Apple experience over the last ten years um, uh, and you know Windows 10 is is perfectly usable and in some areas it's pretty good you know in some areas it's better than the Mac and uh, I I do find it interesting that. The update systems and the way that Microsoft manages Windows, I think, is far better than what Apple's doing with Big Sur at the moment. So, you know, the overall aesthetic and the way the, the operating system works might be better on, on the Apple side, but um, Windows 10 certainly does have its advantages as well. And it's definitely, I don't think, used to be, you. I always felt as an Apple user that Windows 10 was, that Windows was definitely was a second string operating system. It's not anymore. It's a bit like, you know, Android and iOS. They're, they're different. But neither of them is is. I would say that Windows Ten is better compared to the Mac than Android is to the iOS. Yeah, I I don't oh, I'd agree with that. And Windows Ten is really really quite. Yeah, good I I don't really have any complaints no. about yeah. Windows other than the virus thing. But I yeah. mean, if you're if you compute responsibly, let me put it that way. I don't think there's a whole lot of. Uh, problems and, and actually even with the virus thing uh, the stuff that microsoft has built into the os now it means that you don't really have to worry that much about the virus thing you do have to worry about malware where something kind of in intentionally fools you in doing yeah. something that's going to expose the computer but you have to worry about that on the mac yep. as well um and and you know mac the mac still has the advantage because of its lower market share it's not as it's not as frequent a target as windows no. is but but yeah, in terms of viruses and things like that, the stuff on window built into Windows 10 by Microsoft is is far better than any of the commercial packages you used to buy. So you know, you, even that even that is um, is not so much of a problem. Look, I, I I I've got to tell this story. So our uh, we had a, we have a lady who comes in and helps us out with the cleaning every now and again because Leanne's back, uh, and she was here yesterday, and. Um, She's 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 always buying and selling stuff online and sending money abroad to the relatives and this that and the other. And she starts going about this pair of shoes she sold um, that were you know designer shoes and everything. And some lady in California wants to buy them. I think she met her on Facebook, and so she packaged them up and she sent them. And the lady, oh, she was getting ready to send them. The lady says, "Oh, I can't do PayPal. I don't have a PayPal account." <laughs> you know, which my answer is always to that is say, "Fine, okay, that's no problem." But you know what? Signing up for PayPal, it takes five minutes. So yep. Sign up for PayPal and send me the money. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I, can't. I have to use this cash.app. Right. So this, la this lady we know signs up for the cash.app. Right. The woman says, all right, I've sent the money. Send the parcel. Right. So our friend sends the parcel and then checks the cash.app. There's no money in it. <laughs> Shocker. And she starts emailing her. Well, you know what? I, I there's no money in it, and the the lady's emailing her back. The, the lady I'm calling it probably wasn't a lady. It was probably a guy, and he is a scammer. Um, is sending back receipts saying, "Look, here's the money I paid in. It must be a problem with the app and that sort of thing." So I'm sitting there thinking, "You got you got played, yep. lady, right?" But then she says, "Oh, and so then the then the woman from California said that she'd spoken to them, and there was a a, a problem, and I needed to put a, a refundable processing fee through <laughs> fifty pounds, right?" And I'm thinking, 
don't tell me you did that. And then she goes, so I did that, and it's still didn't yeah. And, and I, I just, I, I just, you know, and Leanne turned and shot me a look. <laughs> and the look, the look was, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. Don't open your mouth and say no. anything. No, there's no benefit there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, look, I, and I said, I did say to her, and I genuinely meant this, I said, the problem with these scammers is that they're very good at exploiting people's feelings. They come across as very, very genuine because con people come across as genuine. That's part of their skill. Yep. Uh, and I said, you know, and that, and they exploit the fact that, you know, they present themselves to you as just a nice person who's having a difficult day. Uh, and, you know, that lulls you into a false sense of security and you can be fooled. Well, I've been fooled in the past. You know. I haven't. I said, so I said this. So I said, so, you know, I said, well, I wasn't going to say that. I'm not going to say what I say. Oh, well, they wouldn't get me like that, you stupid moron. I, I, no one's ever got me on those. I can't think of one. I think, I, I seem to remember one time I, I paid somebody for something with PayPal uh, through Facebook and uh, they taught me into using the, you know, friends and family option rather than the business option, which means they didn't pay fees, but it also means you have no protection. Yep. And then, then I never got the thing I asked. Shocker. Um, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Uh, and, and Sometimes, you know, well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always assume, maybe it's just a cynic in me, but I always assume someone is trying to scam me. Yeah. I, well, I can't help it. It's thing. just one of those things. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, well, the thing is, is that, is that you know, what, what you learn is that if you make reasonable requests, like, well, no, please, let's use PayPal because... Um, that works for everybody and there are protections in place and then the people refuse to do that then you, you realise it's even if they're not a scammer it's just not work because some people won't use PayPal because they're convinced that PayPal is evil oh wait a minute I just got an um, email though and, it, and it's let me, and let me it's guess. Uh, five million dollars from Nigeria no I congratulations you have been chosen to participate in our loyalty program for free answer and win and you can get an iPhone 10 that's it, and it went to my AOL account that I didn't even know I right. still had. Yeah. Okay. Right. And the iPhone 10, that four-year-old yeah. phone. <laughs> that sounds like a bargain. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back next week with Geeks Pub. Some cool geeky stuff going on in the world right now that we're going to have to talk about. And see, there you go. That means it's time to go. <laughs> it's it. It certainly yes. does. So I will talk to you next okay. week, David. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. See you then. Bye.